Knowledge is just rumor until it lives in your bones, meaning it's not enough to just know something intellectually. You have to move that knowledge down into your heart and into your body, and then ideally implement it through your hands, take action through your hands. So I think a lot of us understand these basic principles, but why aren't our lives changing? Why aren't we getting results? Because we haven't done it, the practice and preparation enough to move it, this wisdom into our bodies. And then we aren't implementing, we aren't taking action and practicing in the real world. So it is a process. I don't want to overwhelm anyone. Take bite-sized steps, do five minutes a day, start there with the sit and stare, with the journaling exercise, with just that time for yourself. And then you will start to crave it and you'll want to do it more and more because now you've developed a practice and you'll start to feel so much better. And you'll notice even like, wow, my relationships are improving. Gosh, I just feel so much better. I feel so much more confident and optimistic. Wow, people are emailing and calling me. I don't even really have to try. Everyone's finding me. Oh my gosh, I'm getting these new job offers and it will seem like magic, but it's not magic at all. You are just getting out of your own way. You're clearing out all the gunk and you're becoming the person who naturally attracts the money, the opportunities, the relationships, the experiences. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Dear listener, I am so happy you are here with me today and with our fantastic guest, and I will get to introducing her in just a second, but I do want to let you know, I know you are used to a standard sound quality from me, but I am moving my office. I am so excited. I am currently in a room in my basement where I know I am echoing and stuff. So just bear with us today because I guarantee you the conversation is going to be awesome. I guarantee you I will have bloopers and brain farts because that's how I roll. But today's guest is Kate Ekman. She is the author of The Full Spirit Workout, which I just have to tell you, you have to go pick up. I am not that far in. I've been triggered. We'll get into that in the conversation. But Kate, I am so happy you are here. Oh, listeners, by the way, we have been already talking for 25 minutes. I knew we just had to push record because there's so much juice in this. But Kate, I'm so happy you're here. I am so delighted to be here. And as you were talking about your sound quality, I was like gagging, coughing out of nowhere. So I'm happy I was able to hit the mute button. But, you know, this is a a safe space where we can just keep it real. I mean, I keep it real everywhere. Not everyone appreciates that, but I know you do. So sound coughing aside, here we go. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, I muted so that when you started talking and the cats jumped into another box. And it's like another avalanche of boxes in the next room. It's fun stuff. But, you know, we were talking, I feel like I'm getting all formal, but I don't want to be all formal because that's not how I am. I told you in the pre-chat and I just shared with the listeners that I was a little bit triggered by the book and I want to share with you why. In 2013, my older brother died and he was an entrepreneur. He was a leader in our home community of Rochester and he, like he, he did work with the Ronald McDonald house and big brother, big sister. But he was found dead. And to this day, the FBI is involved and they are thinking that it's assisted suicide. He had lost his grant and I think the world just started tumbling down. In 2016, just prior to launching the podcast, I was working, well, I had gone through about 18 months of working 20, 22 hour days, seven days a week. And I was so sleep deprived that I was suicidal myself. So when I was reading just even the first chapter and hearing about your friends and hearing about your anxiety, like it touched me to the core. Like I totally understood how that felt for you. So I just want to thank you for being so openly transparent right there to start your book. Mm, Thank you so much for saying that. I'm so sorry about your brother and that tragedy and that loss and the pain that stays with you forever, as you know, and that you went to your own dark place, which is very human. I wish more of us acknowledged it and talked about it. And, you know, we have to start erasing the stigma in a more profound way and just talking about it and how normal and human it is and that we aren't too precious or too enlightened or too positive to have a bad day or a bad moment or be in a dark place. And I think the more we talk about it, 
the more we just stomp shame to the ground where it belongs. And thank you for sharing that. It's been triggering for me. I feel like I'm triggering people. It's triggering for me to talk about it. It's part of my story. It's I've had best friends and family members. Nobody knows those things about me. I didn't really talk about it. And just to then write it and share it for the world, it has brought up so many emotions in me, but I think it's healing. And I talk a lot about purpose and my work, and it's one of my five P's of confidence. And I've just realized that my purpose is not just my own healing, but the collective healing. And each time I dare to tell the truth and to share what's really going on within me, it creates the space and allows others to go there too. And maybe they're not going to tell me and maybe they're not going to tell the world and maybe they're not going to tell anyone, but at least they'll tell themselves and start to get clear and honest with themselves. When I was a child, basically I was raised in, well, my parents were divorced, but it was pretty much the same in both households. We don't talk about the bad. We don't talk about the things that aren't working. As far as everybody outside of our door knows, our life is perfect. So I sort of got raised thinking I have to be perfect. When I was building my business, I have to pretend that everything is perfect and everything is going well. But then I saw all these people who were also doing the same. And I found out later because they became, they started becoming more transparent. No, they were going through the same as me, but they didn't want, they didn't want people judging them based upon things that weren't going well. I was like, why are we doing that? Like it, we're actually making people feel less connected to us because they feel like we're on a different level because we're pretending that we're something that we're not. And I don't want people to feel that way. Oh, girl, you so get it. You you are touching the core and the heart of what I'm writing about and what I'm talking about here and and the gift that I want to give people in terms of, because that's what I get a lot, right? And you know, I had a live TV interview last week and the host blatantly said to me, and she was kind, but said, you know, I can hear my audience listeners saying, well, this woman's so young and so beautiful. She gets everything she wants, something along those lines. And you know, I had to eloquently keep it together and respond to that live on television. And I thought, you know, thank you for the compliment and thank you for approving of my parents and grandparents' genetics and their physical product. But there's this whole notion that if you look a certain way or you've gone to certain schools, you've achieved a certain level of success, oh, must be nice to be you. Everything's so easy. What could you possibly know about struggle, heartache, and all of that? And just how harmful it is that not only judging other people and thinking that you have them figured out based on what they look like, first of all, and whether you approve or don't approve, But when you're judging another, you're also judging yourself and you're judging probably the shadow part of you. You don't even realize that's not even in your consciousness. And I think we really need to stop judging ourselves and and policing each other and assuming that we know everything about someone because of what they look like, because of where they live, what their husband does for a living, how well behaved their children are or whatever it is or not. You know, it's such a disservice that we do. And I think that's another part of my calling. I mean, look, writing a book is so much work. It isn't easy. It's not a moneymaker unless you're a massive celebrity. It's just blood, sweat, and tears. It it triggers every insecurity in you that you know you have, that you don't know. I mean, it is a lot to put yourself out there. For me, that's why I say this book and this project is so much bigger than me because I did look around and see how much people were struggling. And the reason I knew is because I was struggling. I saw myself in everybody. And that's why even losing the two loved ones to suicide and what it brought up in me, you know, or someone said, oh, this book is, I know someone who could use this book. And I think everyone needs this book because everyone is having the human experience. Everyone needs to look within themselves and really get to the core of who they are and what they really want and know who they are underneath all the titles and labels. So The fact that you just, you really see so clearly what's happening here. It is the reason I wrote this book and thank you. And I just want people to go on a journey of self-discovery with themselves and to, to start loving themselves in a more profound and meaningful way and start living a life that is actually fulfilling. Because I think so many are plugged into societal standards they don't even believe in. They're living someone else's dream. And they've just fallen asleep to the truth of who they are. So this is your gentle 
wake up call, your friendly reminder. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm simply saying, you know, Hey, just thought you'd like to know and reminding people how powerful they are and that they can do whatever they decide is important enough. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Listeners, just before we push record here, we found out that at this very moment, Kate and I are probably within 90 minutes of each other (laughs) in Ohio. And I'm only bringing that up because my childhood dream, I'm in my 40s. So I watched Ghost on constant replay. I loved the loft that Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze had. My childhood dream was to have a loft like that in Manhattan, become the head of an interior design department and, you know, this beautiful loft with all this beautiful art and all the money I would make was what was going to make me successful. After becoming an entrepreneur this round, because this is not my first entrepreneurial venture, I started judging myself because here I am in the Midwest. I'm in Ohio, in a ranch, <laughs> in driving not the newest car. For years, I was driving a car that was older than my oldest kid, who's now 18. I was like, what are people going to think if they see that I'm driving this monster man van? And then I started joking about it. But I realized... I don't need to be in New York or LA or San Diego to be successful. I can be successful right here. And my success doesn't depend on how expensive my house is. Do I still have a huge whopper dream house on my vision board? Oh yeah. I need my own bathroom, everybody. I need my own bathroom. (laughs) That's the only way I can say that. But that's not going to mark my success. And when I stopped measuring how well I was doing in my business by how much I was making and more so on how much I'm sleeping, that's when it started getting really good. Oh, I love this. And you're taking me back to that interview where the woman was saying, well, you're so beautiful, must be nice, whatever. And I just said to her, you know, our inner success and how we feel about ourselves has absolutely nothing to do with our outer success. And I have proven that theory time and time again, because I was quote unquote living the dream in New York City and was the face of so many global beauty brands as a TV presenter, worked for some of the biggest names in fashion as a model, was making great money, lived in the fancy place, had the fancy, had it all, right? I had it all. And I found myself in Midtown Manhattan having a massive panic attack and at the Dwayne Reed at the corner of 34th and 8th Avenue across from Penn Station, contemplating taking a bottle of antidepressants. Yes, it was grief from losing Salmon Roth to suicide in one year and everything that that brought up in me. But the whole point is, is that nothing outside of ourselves can bring us permanent happiness. We may get the job. We may get the money. We may get the Soho loft next to Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore. And we'll be happy for 20 minutes. And then it's on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And we find ourselves sweating to death, running frantically on the hamster wheel. And when we do that, we can never have enough or be enough. That was me. I was the product of that mentality. And I contemplated leaving. (laughs) And I didn't know what I was doing. That's what happens in those moments. We forget who we are. We don't know what's going on. Luckily, my brother was a physician and helped me through it and brought me back to reality and the present moment. But I think this is what happens. And that explains why so many people are so deeply unhappy and unfulfilled and lacking in meaning. I, I work with so many business leaders and professional athletes all the material success, notoriety, fame you could possibly imagine, more money than they'll ever know what to do with. And in our work together, they're just thinking, what does all of this mean? Or what do I want my legacy to be? And why do I not feel fulfilled? And it's because they haven't done these inner exercises that I've outlined in the book. And it's because they haven't taken the time to go deep within and really figure out who they are and what means something to them. I think we've had more time this past year during COVID. And now as I listen to you talk, it doesn't matter where you live. And I'm here in Ohio temporarily. And I can't believe I'm saying this because it was a rough transition. I've only been here, I think, six, seven months. The first few months, I was so wrapped up in my New York identity and missing it and all of the things that are New York. But now I'm here and I'm kind of like, oh gosh, do I really want to go? I'm living in this beautiful, spacious home right now. I think, do I really want to go back to living in a small, tiny place for so much money and 
I don't know. I'm shifting, but I think that's what the universe does. It, it shifts us. There is some discomfort. St- step one of my book is stretch your comfort zone, as you know. And when you dare or willing to make a change or take a risk, the universe steps up and supports you. And that's been my experience. And so I feel that And what's the gift? The gift is you shift and you change and you've grown because you've taken yourself outside of the comfort zone. What is familiar? What you think your identity is and how it has to be. I feel the tremendous growth that I've had the past few months because I've just shaken things up. Has it been easy? Absolutely not. Has it been stressful? And have I had breakdowns and questions, all the things? Absolutely. But that's when life gets really juicy. So I invite you to to switch it up and to take that risk and to allow yourself to be willing to do something different so that you can be a different person and really actualize your full potential. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. I'm thinking back to my days. I didn't work in Manhattan for too long. My first husband and I got unexpectedly pregnant. I was young. I was 23. At least I was out of college, but I was not prepared to be a mom. And I don't know if you know, but I was an interior architect for a decade. When I was in Manhattan, I was designing hedge fund offices and trading firm offices. After my son was born, I went up to Greenwich, Connecticut and worked, which is a crazy horse of its own is the best way. (laughs) Yeah. So on the days that I had the car, which was amazing, I would go up there in our Saturn view, which was, you know, a nice SUV for the time, but I would be parked between a Porsche Boxster and whatever else was on the other side. I was like, oh my gosh, do I fit up here? And then I would get out and I would be wearing my Express. I don't remember the last time I saw an Express store. I love Express. I love Express. My boobs and my butt no longer fit in Express. Just need to say <laughs> five kids, five kids in Express don't necessarily go together. But in the next car, you know, they're getting out in their Gucci and whatever else that I don't even know how to pronounce properly. I was like, do I really... In order to be successful here, that's what I've got I have. And then now I feel like it's a milestone of its own that I can feel comfortable going to Walmart. Walmart, okay, people, yes, I said Walmart. In my sweatpants, in my cutoff t-shirt where I cut the collar off because it was too tight, in my messy bun and no makeup. Because I would have never dreamt of leaving the house or the apartment in New York with no makeup. It just wouldn't have happened. I would have been scared about what other people thought. Now I'm like, who cares if they're going to judge me based upon the fact that I've got under eye circles, go ahead, go ahead. It's kind of liberating to get to that place where you don't care what people think anymore and you aren't comparing. And that's the goal, right? Is that's where we all want to get where we are so firm and grounded in who we are and are comfortable in our own skin and in our body and with who we are and where we are, not just geographically, but where we are on our journey. And That's why social media can be so damaging because you're having a perfectly great day and you log in just to see what's going on for a minute while you're waiting for your doctor's appointment or whatever. And you don't even realize you're doing it. And suddenly you're comparing yourself to, oh, that woman has a cuter husband, dog, house, car, vacation, outfit. And then your confidence and your well-being plummets. And so if you are going to get on, I would say use it as a tool of connection to I like to make posts that get people to think or reflect or add some inspiration or a perspective shift or something of value and then engage with the people who comment or click on someone. If I saw your photo, it's like, oh my gosh, how great that you're in Connecticut on vacation or whatever it is. And just, or it's like, oh, I love, I love your perspective on this topic and just use it as a tool of connection rather than doom and despair cave of comparison that we fall into and there is something I think too about getting older. And even when that woman cult says you're so young and, and that's all relative, right? Or she's like, you're so beautiful. And I, again, thank you. But in society's terms, I'm too old and I'm not skinny enough. So few of us get a pass when it comes to pleasing everybody to fitting into every box. And that's the other thing. Who wants to be in a box? Society loves to put, especially women into a box. And you're allowed to be one thing. If you're a mom, why are you working and spending time away from your kids and your husband. And if you're, you know, the stay at home moms get shamed, the career women with kids get shamed, the women like me who don't have kids, why don't you have kids? It's just, that's why this is so important to take the time out. I do at least five minutes a day. I do more like an hour and a half. I call it my sit and stare time. 
And I just sit and I stare out the window or stare straight ahead. And I check in with myself, like I'm a small child and say, how are you doing? What do you need? What's working? What isn't working? And even going a step further, which is so foreign to all of us, hey, good job. I'm really proud of you. You really rocked that interview or wow, you were really struggling, but you showed up and were present and did your best and had fun. Well done. That's success to me. So I think all of us could spend a little more time sitting and staring and redefining success and redefining beauty and redefining who we are and what we want. It's so simple, but I know that it isn't easy. And the people say, I think a lot of times too, I hear, well, must be nice or I don't have time for that. And what I say to that is, I don't have time to be angry. I don't have time to yell at my loved ones because I'm exhausted and overwhelmed and not spending any time taking care of myself. I don't have time to not be the person that I'm here to be. And if you can't show up for yourself, show up for your family, show up for your team or organization or a cause greater than you. And that will make it easier on the days where you want to throw in the towel or you think, why does this even matter? Nobody cares. It does matter. Take a look at the world around you. We need more people living their strengths and using their gifts and showing up in a meaningful way to really help uplift what I term a very, very sick society right now. Hey there, my friend. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. If you haven't gathered by now, I love empowering entrepreneurs with the systems, support, and community to work smarter instead of harder. So today I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com forward slash connect to find a huge list of resources and ways that you can connect with me and my community. Remember, it's not about being everywhere, but it's about being in the best place for our business at the right time. Again, head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash connect to see the whole list of ways that you can connect with me and other members of the positive productivity community. Now let's get back to today's episode. It's so huge. I don't know that I've shared this on the podcast yet because I've been recording a little bit out of order for my solo episodes, but I just hired a therapist about a month ago. Congratulations. Thank you. And it's been huge for me just going every week. First off, setting aside that time for myself, which I have rededicated my nighttime to sleep. I don't work late anymore. I can't for my own mental well-being. But I wasn't willing to take that hour to two hours with the drive included to find a therapist. But I realized about six weeks ago, I have to, I have to. And I'm just going to share with you and with the listeners right now. I mean, my husband is a disabled vet with PTSD. I'm not going to say it too loud. There are challenges. There are challenges some days, but I realize it's not, I don't need to carry all that burden. So I also, and I'd love to know what personal practices you have besides sit and stare, which I absolutely love and I'm going to need to adopt that, but I journal. I used to start every single day jumping into email, text messages, WhatsApp, social media, responding to everybody else. But I realized now I need to start my day. And thank you. Right now you are part of that starting of the day. I start my day by journaling and then I read and I journal thoughts about the reading. So right now your book is what's getting journaled on. And that it's not a fast process. I probably spend 90 minutes on that every single morning and I may open my email by 10. That's probably on the early side. Some days it's not until 11. So don't email me anybody if it's an emergency first thing. If you know me, text me. You might get a response faster, but you might not because that's the other thing that I've had to do. I realize everybody else's emergencies are not my own. My notifications on my phone are for the most part off, except for my kids and my husband. Those are the only ones that will pop up. Yeah. I commend you for reaching out for support. And what that reminds me of is, you know, people say, well, I'm already confident or I'm already doing well. I don't need an accountability friend. I don't need this book. I don't need 
a therapy. See, I have a noise thing too. Hope you don't hear it too much. Good old leaf blower wants to. I don't hear it at all. Okay, good. Yay. So sorry I brought that up. Or the people that say, or I don't need a coach, whatever it is. And I say, I think of Tom Brady because he and I were both Big Ten athletes at the same time together. I was a swimmer at Penn State. He obviously played football at Michigan. We're the same age and he's still winning Super Bowls and my knees hurt when I go to Pilates. So I have a little laugh about that and I bow down to Tom Brady the way I bow down to people like you who are parents and working and doing all the things and keeping it all together. And I say that to say Tom Brady trains harder than anyone and has more coaches than anyone, not because he's the worst, but because he's the best. Talent merits investment. And whatever you're doing, whether you are a janitor, a CEO, a stay-at-home mom, a secretary, an entrepreneur, I don't care what your job is. I think they're all amazing, but you're talented and you merit investment and you merit support and you are not meant to do life on your own. And friends can only take us so far because we love them, but there are friends. You need someone who's going to do what we call in coaching, honest labeling, who's going to gently and kindly call you out and, and get you to see things differently. Friends are not trained unless they are. I mean, I'm a friend to many people and I'm a trained certified professional coach and I've been through a lot of rigorous training, but I don't want to coach my friends. So, you know, it is good to to reach out to people and to start putting our well-being first. If I've learned anything this past year, it's that this is no longer some cute thing to post about on Instagram or a luxury we might get to someday. No, we have to put our well-being first. And I think we've all been guilty. I certainly have of, wow, I really need to set a boundary with this person or no, I don't want to do that or whatever it is. But we don't do it because we think, well, I don't want to hurt their feelings. And that's certainly something to take into consideration, but I can't tell you how many times I've hurt myself and my own feelings at the expense of putting someone else before me. So I think there's kind ways to set boundaries and to say, you know, this is no longer a fit or a match and to walk away from certain jobs or people or relationships and put our well-being first. And something else, of course, the, the book, we have all the journaling exercises and, and the meditations to really take you on a journey deep within yourself and they're all mixed and mastered. They're on my website, kateekman.tv. So you can listen to them for free and I mix them in high frequencies. So it is helping to change your brain waves and soothe your mind and your heart and your soul. So I invite you to take advantage of that. And also the Coach Kate check-ins where I'm asking you, heartfelt, but very gritty questions and getting underneath the hood of the car. And I know not everyone can afford therapy or coaching. And so how great to have all these questions and, and do the work. And we have to be quite candid here, right? Because this is like going to the gym. You can't just show up in your cute outfit and expect your personal trainer to do your sit-ups and push-ups and pull-ups for you. You have to actually... Wouldn't that be amazing? I wonder how much that that would cost, but I would pay for it. But you have to actually put in the work. But like physical exercise, you get the results if you put in the work. So do these and ground these these affirmations into your body. There's this beautiful quote by this Asaro tribe of, and I'm saying this wrong, out of New Guinea. We can post it in the show notes if you'd like. I can send it to you. But it says, knowledge is just rumor until it lives in your bones, meaning it's not enough to just know something intellectually. You have to move that knowledge down into your heart and into your body, and then ideally implement it through your hands, take action through your hands. So I think a lot of us understand these basic principles, but why aren't our lives changing? Why aren't we getting results? Because we haven't done it, the practice and preparation enough to move it, this wisdom into our bodies. And then we aren't implementing, we aren't taking action and practicing in the real world. So it is a process. I don't want to overwhelm anyone. Take bite-sized steps, do five minutes a day, start there with the sit and stare, with the journaling exercise, with just that time for yourself. And then you will start to crave it and you'll want to do it more and more because now you've developed a practice and you'll start to feel so much better. And you'll notice even like, wow, my relationships are improving. Gosh, I just feel so much better. I feel so much more confident and optimistic. Wow, people are emailing and calling me. I don't even really have to try. Everyone's finding me. Oh my gosh, I'm getting these new job offers and it will seem like magic, but it's not magic at all. You are just getting out of your own way. You're clearing out all the gunk and you're becoming the person who naturally attracts the money, the opportunities, the relationships, the experiences. Does that make sense? I have two big thoughts right now because I was reading your book too and I highlighted it, How the Course in Miracles, which I have the book, but I'm 
my kids misplaced it. I'm just going to blame it on them. I misplaced it, but I don't know where it is. Teachers that our good intentions are not enough. Our willingness is everything. I signed up for a Y membership last week, but I've been putting it off because I didn't have the padlock for my locker or the duffel bag for my clothes. Yeah, good intentions, just like what you were saying, but we have to be willing to actually just take those little steps. And just be willing. And as I like to say, be willing to not be great yet or ever. That's me in dance class. I'm never going to be good in dance class, but I still go and it boosts my confidence because I'm like, I'm here in a room full of dancers looking and feeling like kind of a jackass, but it's not about that. And for me, dance class is the ultimate rebellion against my inner perfectionist and my obsession with performance. I'm never going to give a quote unquote perfect performance in dance class. First of all, no such thing. But that's not the point. Dance class, it's about moving my body, being present with my body, having fun, being in the energy of other people, pre-COVID, of course. And so I think if we can even allow ourselves to do things that we know we're not that great at, that builds our confidence because we dare to suck. And then it's no longer of like, well, who am I to do this? Or I can't do this. Or your imposter syndrome popping up like, hello, what are you thinking? It's just like, well, you can all go sit back down because I'm here, I'm doing it. And I showed up and that's what I would tell myself when I would do live TV and with, you know, QVC and you have to hit certain sales numbers and all the things. And it's so much stress and it's so much pressure and it was really getting to me. And so I reframed reframing is another great tool. I reframed that whole career into and redefined success for myself, which became, did you do your best? Did you have fun? And if I could answer yes to both of those questions, then I said, well, then you are a success. That airing was a success, regardless of what the number said, regardless of who I impressed or didn't impress, regardless of what you think, say, or feel about me. I know I did a good job. I did my best. And then when we start to live our life from that space, then you do start to see the results in the material world. Wall decor that says that on it. Did you do your best? Did you have fun? Because I will be your first customer and I will put it on my shelf right behind me because that's totally it. Oh, I love that. It's got the chills because I know you do marketing. So I'm like, okay, after this, we're going to stay in touch. But I'm like, these are some things I want to discuss because again, it's so simple. And, And that's another thing. I talk so much about core beliefs in the book. And what often happens to us is that we develop negative core beliefs from something that was said to us, usually in childhood, you know, you have to go way back. And I talk, I go back to origin stories and and talk about even being a four-year-old at the swim club and what happened to me there in terms of a limiting core belief. And then we go about our lives and collect evidence for why that lie is true. When why don't we take the compliment to heart and why don't we take the truth to heart or what we know to be true, that we are powerful, that we are loved. We are loved. We are supported. We are being guided and then collect evidence for all of those things. We would feel so much better. We would make such better decisions. We would uplift others. It has a ripple effect. And that's why I do say when you can't do it for yourself, show up for other people because it really does create that ripple effect in the world. And and start to notice starting today, if you're you're holding on to that mean comment or that lie, or someone said something about you and you've made that your truth, really consciously be in the act of releasing that and then immediately co-creating with a higher power, if you believe in a new thought system or a new belief that says, for example, everything that's best for me is either already here or on its way. So that puts me in a place of trust and surrender. I can focus on, you know, keep going, put one foot in front of the other, knowing that whatever's best for me is either already here or on its way rather than the forcing and the controlling and being so attached to things and people being a certain way that we block our blessings and actually repel our goals. I think you're my bonus therapy session for this week. Oh God. Oh God. I love it. Okay, great. And I'm going to expand on that first a quick second. Do you know what your love language is? Words of affirmation. Okay. Mine is service. Mm, Love that. When I was growing up and my parents were divorced, my dad would tell me over and over again that he would do things and then not do them. So it's really hard for me. Like, and, And actually we had an argument about it last night, my husband and I it's really hard for me when my husband says that he's going to do something and then he doesn't because my love language is service, right? Do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. So I just asked if, you know, don't tell me you're going to do something within a specific timeframe. If you're not going to do it within the specific timeframe, the reason why I say it's an, another therapy session for the week is 
Like I need to let go of assuming that he doesn't care because he doesn't do it within the time frame. Yeah. So thank you. My pleasure. It, this is one of the hardest things to do is to detach from outcomes and release expectations, especially when it's a close family member or best friend, spouse, kids, something like that, because we do, you go to, we're hurt and we have to acknowledge that we're hurt or we're triggered. This happened to me recently too. So thank you for sharing where it was just, and especially see as a words of affirmation person, I'm like, how hard is it to say congratulations and just see here and acknowledge my achievement? It takes two seconds. It's free. And that's all I need. I don't need much, but you are someone very important to me. Can you just acknowledge that I've done something challenging and hard and that it's a good product? And this person, for whatever reason, I don't want to say they couldn't, but they didn't. And I called it out and brought it to his attention. And I then had to remember that this person is an acts of service love language. He shows me he loves me by washing my car, by cooking me a salmon burger, by stuff like that, which is amazing. And that's why that book is, is so popular, The Five Love Languages, for those who don't know what we're talking about. And I think we need to let other people off the hook because we need to let ourselves off the hook. And we appreciate it when people let us off the hook and we've had a human moment. Sometimes, Kim, the lesson really is this person is not healthy to be in my close proximity. And we need to let people fall away, at least temporarily and maybe permanently and release them with love so we don't attract more of the same. But I think the more that we can be the people who we want others to be, that's when we are in a place of empowerment. That's when we're a place of showing people how it's done or how it works and giving what we would like to receive rather than, oh my gosh, this person is such a jerk. And I want to tell them that they're a jerk. And because that doesn't feel good, because spiritually speaking, when we attack another, we are attacking ourselves also. That's why we feel like crap. Or it's like, I just told this person off and told them how my truth and why do I feel so crappy? It's because we've attacked ourselves. And something that I heard a long time ago, I don't know who said this, if it's an original quote, but it says, the truth said without kindness is violence. And that hit me like a ton of bricks because I'm very passionate about truth telling. But if you're telling your truth without kindness, that is an act of violence and our words can be violent. And so really cleaning that up and maybe you aren't ready to have that difficult, uncomfortable conversation because you are really stinking mad and it's justified. So you do need to do some of these full spirit workout exercises to get to a place of calm and where you're centered and grounded and you are in a place where you can speak your truth, where it could actually cause some healing rather than harm. Whoa, I haven't heard that before, but I have actually disconnected from somebody, an immediate relative who would be very bluntly truthful in their opinion. And they're like, I'm not being mean. I'm just being honest. Mm. But you are being mean. Mm -hmm. Were boundaries, were you taught, were you raised to have healthy boundaries? And I don't mean, I'm not saying that I'm teaching my kids to have boundaries. That's not what I'm saying at all. But to know when to let go when things aren't going well with somebody. Like, for example, my 15-year-old son has been hurt by girls. He's totally girl crazy. I'm like, just let her go. She's not good for you. She keeps on breaking your heart. You know, for me, I was always taught build bridges, don't burn them, right? Don't cut anybody out. You always want to make sure that you maintain that relationship. It wasn't until I was 40 and I'm 42 now that I learned I can't do that. I need for my own mental wellness to not have some people in my life. Absolutely. I'll share with you what a mentor shared to me years ago that I'll never forget. There's little nuggets that have been said to me throughout the years that I'll never forget. And when I said something to her about a boyfriend or ex-boyfriend, whatever it was, and I said, when should I let him go? How will I know? And she said, you let him go every morning. And she was talking about people who are married, people who are in a serious relationship, meaning everyone, it's our culture has set us up for, ooh, there's that one special person. 
and just all the pressure that puts on that person. And, and you are that person too, if you're in a relationship, someone's also even just subconsciously putting that pressure on you that you need to fulfill all these needs. You need to say, do and act a certain way for them to be okay. That is so unhealthy. And that is our culture. So we have to consciously unsubscribe from that and plug into something that says, I am complete. I am here to share my completeness with another complete person and letting that person go every day, whether you are married to them, dating them, or it's a casual something or your son who it's nothing. It's just somebody has a crush on at school. You release them every day, meaning let them be who they are. Don't put all that pressure and expectation and control on them. They will feel that even if it's subconsciously, it will repel the person from you. People can feel too. That's why it feels so good. You and I, I met you for five minutes. I felt so seen in your presence. You didn't have your hooks in me. You didn't say, oh, you're wearing a white shirt. You need to be in purple. You need to have this and this and this. I would have been like, oh my God. And it would have been an uncomfortable conversation. Instead, I just showed up as I was. This is how it is. I see you. You see me. I think we forget to do that to the people we love the most a lot because it's easy to love someone when they're saying everything we want them to say and doing everything we want them to do. The challenge is to love people when they aren't behaving how we would like when they aren't saying the nice things. And again, sometimes this means you stay in the relationship and sometimes it means you leave. Only you know that. And I think you can sit and stare and do your practices and your journaling and your meditations and come to that conclusion on your own and really ask your intuition and God's spirit universe to lead the way, to send you signs and show you the way. But I think the more that we can become our own dream partners, the more we will attract our dream partner and not self-sabotage it. To piggyback on that, like one of the things that I've really had to work on in the last four years, especially is when my husband and I get into an argument, not allowing it to cut me to the core. And I know those are really strong words, but that's how it really felt like crippling me. And I've had to do a lot of work on myself this is horrible, but it's funny. And it's a great tool for me. (laughs) I've created a mental music playlist. Mm. So if I don't like what he's saying, I turn the the music playlist on in my head and I tune him out (laughs) and I just start singing in my head. It works really well, except for when I accidentally start singing while he's talking. Oh my gosh. You're hilarious. Have you told him that things he's saying are hurtful? Yeah. 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 We're working on it. Okay. But I've just realized I need to take charge. And your book is awesome. Like I'm going to eat it or yeah, eat it, digest it in bite-sized pieces, you know, because that's how I know I need to do it. But it's just an awesome reminder of me taking ownership for my mental wellness. A hundred percent. And you know, I made that fun is in the subtitle and I consider myself a fun person. I think it was my birthday one year. My mom asked my dad, what's one word you would use to describe Kate? And of all the words my dad could have used, he said fun, which I'm like, that's cool. And I like that I'm fun. So I've made the book fun, of course, so that it's actually, you want to show up and do the work and go for it. And people have said, and I agree, it's an easy read because I don't want some daunting textbook again, fun, but I appreciate what you just said because I did have a friend say, oh my gosh, I just, I couldn't put it down. I read it in two days and you know, she's a super reader and I appreciate that. She did say too, she's like, you know, and now I'm going to go back again and do what you just said, just do bite size. And because yeah, you can read it quickly. Great. But you need to go back and it is a resource to turn to again and again and take a moment, read one paragraph and sit I'll do that. I'll sit and just savor it and really take it in, not just read it again, not just intellectually understand, move that into the body so that you know it and then take it a step further and move it from the body into your hands and into the actions where now you're living it. You are it. That's why people say to me, it's the biggest compliment anyone can give an author. They say, wow, you match your book. You are the words. You live your words. And I say, yeah, and thank you. And I that, <laughs> that should be everyone who writes a book. And that's just so important to me is the integrity and really living what you write, what you speak, what your truth is. And it's not always easy and I don't always get it right. That's why I have to sit my butt down and course correct and do the work because I am a human. There's no moment where you reach the 
Buddha on the mountaintop and stop learning. Just like you think of a professional athlete, you don't win the Olympics and then think, okay, I never have to train again. No, you have to train even harder to even maintain that level of mastery. So I do invite everyone to take your little small bite-sized bites, go through it again and again. And maybe there's certain exercises, even for myself that stand out. And I will visit them again and again until I'm able to move it from the head into my body. Did you have to give yourself a full spirit workout to write the full spirit workout? And I can expand what I mean. I've been working on my book for seven years, Chronic Idea Disorder. But the first six years were trying to write it in somebody else's voice. Ooh. Because I was worried about what do other people want? And then I realized maybe a year and a half ago, if they want somebody else's voice, they can buy somebody else's book. I'm writing this book. 100%. Thank you for coming to that conclusion. Yes. I mean, and I was worried about my humor. It can be, well, is very dry sometimes and can also be very dirty. Just putting it out there, everybody. But I realized in the conversation that chronic idea disorder is like bad sex. You can try and you can try and you can try, but you're never going to get anywhere. Okay. Like chronic idea disorder, you have all these ideas and you're just going to work, work, work. But if you're working on a gazillion ideas, you're never going to get anything done. And I realized just by not giving that comparison, I was trying to be too proper going back to my New York route or roots, but that's not me. Like speak my voice. If it turns them off, yes, pun intended, then fine. They can shut the book, but the people who need to read it will read it. So did you go through that in your writing at all? I think I went through a little fear of, I didn't go through that because that just sounds so exhausting and so limiting. And I'm so glad that you're moving out of that space because we need you and your unique voice and perspective and your rawness and your realness. And that's what people want the real and the raw and the vulnerability. And I know that to be true just in the interviews that I do. And especially when I'm with men and I just, I let stuff rip and you can tell they're like, whoa, I'm not just not used to people saying that. I said, saying the truth so candidly and vulnerably. And they're like, yeah. So people are craving that. I know I was craving it being in a world that was all about appearances. I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. I can't keep going down this route. And I saw the detriment that it did to my two friends who were in that world and they chose to leave us. So I'm just like, I'm not doing that. And I just would sit down. There was some fear came up in the beginning because like I said, I'm about to share some things that nobody knows about me, maybe one or two people in private and now just letting it rip. But I just really followed spirit and I just let it out and told the truth. And it was so freeing and so liberating and so healing, knowing that it was going to offer freedom and liberation and healing to anyone and everyone who picks this up and reads it. And that is the whole point. It isn't about looking cool or feeling cool or appearing to have it all together. No, no. It's just being real and your realness is sexy and gorgeous and brilliant and all that anybody really wants. And if they don't like it, newsflash, not everyone's going to like you. I talk about that in the book. It doesn't matter. You're going to touch the people who need that. And I think that this era of pretending and the era of look at me, I'm so together is, is over. I think we're entering just, this is who I am. If you like it, great. If you don't, great, because I like it. Yes. Before all of this, did you ever put a post on the social media, get a less than optimal comment and then delete the post because you were embarrassed by the comment that had come in? I didn't delete the post, but I have deleted the comment before. Mm -hmm. So fall of 2019, I put a post out there and I'm just going to share the quick story. There was a comment that came in from somebody I had bought a course with in 2017 and I bought it on payment plan, paid the first payment. And I will admit I didn't have money for the rest. So I wasn't buying it intending to not pay. But when the second payment came through, you know, I contacted them, said I was going to pay and then financially just didn't work out. Well, the person came back and left a comment, you know, you bought this from me and it wasn't even related to the post. My first instinct was, oh my gosh, people are going to see this. 
what are they going to think? I almost deleted the whole post. And then I almost deleted the comment. And then I was like, you know what? I know I'm not alone here. Entrepreneurs go through this all the time. Things don't go as planned. So I decided just to leave a very tactful reply to theirs. You know, I still plan on paying you. By the way, everybody, I have since paid off what I owed that person. They were shocked because so many people don't. But I just let the whole, like I let it be known what had happened. And the responses that I got just from being authentic and sharing the truth in response when I could have been combative, I could have deleted it were amazing, but I decided to take ownership in that moment of what had happened. I love that. And thank you for sharing that. And I think that's proof. I think you needed to hear this today. That's your proof too, to show up and be you and who that person is, is gorgeous, gifted and good enough. And I think there's also that fine line for me, you know, I was a TV news anchor and reporter and my biggest takeaway from my TV news career is this. You don't talk down crazy, meaning I would go knock on doors sometimes to get a soundbite and it would be some man with a shotgun telling me to get off his property. And I was in a stand your ground state in Florida. If you don't know what that law is, it means you can be on someone's property and they can shoot and kill you and they don't even get any charges. So... I would say, thank you so much and turn around and walk away. And I think when I say the comment that I deleted on my post, for example, if someone is, I don't get a lot of hate. I'm quite fortunate for that. I think, I don't know. I think I just, I try to put out more unifying messages and talk more about love than, you know, some politician I may not like or whatever. I just... That's not what my page is about. But I think if someone is coming just that their only intention is to spew hate, because I love a good debate. I'm like a wannabe lawyer in some ways. I love to talk to people who have different opinions than me and just try to get their perspective and understanding. I think it brings us all closer together. But when someone is just showing up to be hateful and I feel that and they're saying something again, that just isn't true. I don't talk down crazy. It serves me no purpose to engage with someone who is committed to understanding or misunderstanding, who is committed to spewing hate, who is committed to taking their own self-loathing and projecting it outward. I will send that person love. As I like to say, I delete and forgive and I bless and send them love. I'm like, you are in pain. I wish you well on your journey. This is not the place for that. So I think we need to be conscious of that too. I see a lot of people engaging in things they don't need to engage in. It's just this pissing match, excuse my language of, and it's just like, what is this doing besides bringing you down? Mm -hmm. I need a t-shirt. There's another idea for the (laughs) Kateism shop. Oh, I love it. I need a t-shirt that says, I don't talk down crazy. But isn't that so good? Because you're going to now catch yourself, there'll be a moment because what is that saying that says you don't have to attend every fight you're invited to where it's just like, wow, this person is committed. Or I'm like, nothing that I'm going to say to this person is going to be heard. They are filtering it through a, sometimes a personality disorder or something other lens, which I have compassion for. So I think recognizing it and saying, I picture this man, I will never forgetting. He was like a toothless man with a shotgun. And I'm like, oh, he will shoot us. My photographer was arguing with him. I'm like, if you want to lose your life today over a soundbite that we're not going to get anyway, that's on you. I'm walking to the live truck. And in two minutes, I'm driving away with or without you because I love my life. I value it. This is not worth it. You don't talk down crazy. And I think we all have those moments in our life. And this is not in a place of judgment, like, oh, you're quote, that's, I think it is a, not a nice word, crazy. And it gets thrown around a lot, but We've all been there and you can choose and you can walk away and just know that you could be the world's greatest attorney and still not get your point across and win (laughs) that day in court with that person. So you can win in silence. You can win in silence. You can win your sanity. You can keep your good mood. You can keep your dignity. Mm -hmm. And I apologize when for, oh, I'm sorry, but not sorry for laughing when you were talking about the toothless guy. I was thinking, are you sure you were in Florida and not in Ohio? <laughs> <laughs> My dad's a dentist. So I try to think of people in Ohio with good teeth. <laughs> <laughs> what is your biggest goal for your book? I think to reach as many people as possible because I'm getting great feedback. People love it. I love it. This is a big step for me because my inner critic has nothing but great things to say about the book, which is a a huge win for me. And I just want people to, to find hope and healing and celebration and 
really improve their relationship with themselves on every level. And in turn, that will attract literally everything they could ever possibly desire and everything they deserve into their lives and to have fun with it and to just return to this again and again. This book, I think, will have, it really speaks for itself and will have its own legs. And I want to be in a place of surrender and trust and not trying to control because, of course, I wish I sold a million copies on the first day, but I'm a first-time author. I'm not Oprah Winfrey and it's going to take some time. And that's why it's so great to have these conversations and where people can just, what you did to me, the first 30 seconds I was on this call with you is like, oh man, your book, like, whew. And then, you know, getting the value from it and sharing it with friends and sharing it with relatives or whomever, and just letting it have its own place in the world of a whole different way of looking at life and a workout system that actually works. That's going to just make you feel so confident within and not that performance confidence that I think a lot of us have where we can turn it on for 10 minutes outwardly. I'm talking about that unshakable, unbreakable, full-bodied confidence that can weather any storm and will carry you through any chaos or uncertainty or crisis that comes your way. You see another book in your future? I do. A lot of podcasters have been saying this. I think it's energetically. I am already thinking of the next, but for now I want to, you know, you're a parent. So you get this. It's like, I just had my baby. I want to focus on this baby for now, but (laughs) yeah, I am thinking about giving this baby a sibling. Absolutely. (laughs) We thought we were done after our seven-year-old and then we got twins 16 months later. So that's what the only reason why I say that book could just hit you like a zinger in the middle of the night. I've heard of that happening. Yeah, absolutely. I'm open to it. Yeah. Yeah. What legacy do you want to leave? And what do you believe your life purpose is at this time? Mm, It's a great question. When I think of legacy, I just think that people thinking, saying, believing, I just felt so much better and Kate's presence and she made me feel better about myself and uplifted me. She gave me energy. She's like a ray of sunshine and she made me believe in myself again. And she actually made me believe that I am capable and that I am powerful and I really can do what I say I want to do. And I really can have the life that I say that I want. I believe because of Kate and that ties into my purpose of deep collective healing and empowerment and joy and leading with our gifts and strengths rather than this notion of we don't add up in some way. No, we are incredible beings, all of us. And just people feeling that to their core and then implementing that belief and work that helps uplift the world. You know, Kate, before we hopped on, I asked you where you wanted to, like, I was talking about the monthly themes of the podcast, and this is going to be included, but I just keep on thinking about how my periods of the roughest physical health were connected to the periods of the roughest mental health. And I joked, oh, I've got it. I just thought of two more podcasters to introduce you to. But my friend Debbie Adea from Spiritual Entrepreneur, I was having a chat with her one day and I was like, you know, I think my stress has an appetite of its own. And she's like, it does. <sighs> Cortisol. Like, because I was working out, but I was so stressed and I just kept on tacking on the pound. So I just decided that you're going to be episode 707. And the reason I'm sharing this right here is listeners, we're going to have a full list of resources everywhere that you can find Kate, a link to buy the book at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP 707. I also just think that's a magical number. Me too. So if you're wondering listeners why this conversation is in the month of physical health. That's why is because I just know that when my mental health was at its worst, my physical health was also at its worst. Kate, when my stress was at its worst, the week before my 40th birthday, I spent a week in the hospital because I had all the classic signs of a heart attack, but I didn't have a heart attack. I am so sorry. That is so scary. And everything you're saying is is so true and it's all connected. That's why I wrote this book because people, a lot of people think that health is just the physical. I have to run. I've got to lift my weights. I have to do cardiovascular, et cetera, stretching to maintain my vessel, my physical health. And that is absolutely true. But oftentimes we neglect 
the mental, the emotional, the spiritual muscles, and they are all so connected. And by the way, like you just said, when you are fit, strong, healthy, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, it does play into your physical health. We put so much mental and emotional stress on the physical body that it was not meant to carry, which is why, yes, you can eat well, exercise. And you're like, why am I not seeing results? And it's because the stress is your body can't take that much. And so, yes, they are all connected. And and when you were talking, I reminded of just a, a quick story when I was a TV news reporter and I was under so much stress and I had psoriasis and it, it just was flaring up and it was so uncomfortable and painful and even, you know, kind of embarrassing. And I am not kidding you. The week I left, not just that station, not just that job, but the TV news business, that psoriasis went away and never came back. And that was 2009. So case in point and how horrifying that is. And yes, the time I was in the ER with this toxic migraine, they called it. People thought I was having a brain aneurysm or had a brain tumor. It was just stress. That is horrifying. And so sometimes, yeah, you do need to leave the job or the relationship or whatever. But even in those toxic, stressful situations, if you take even the five minutes a day to do any of the exercises in this book, you will notice profound effects. And like physical exercise, they do have cumulative effects. Oh my gosh. Yes. I've had two kidney infections in my life. I don't wish those upon my worst enemy. And they were at the times in my business when I was most stressed. Okay. Not besides the fear of a heart attack time. Okay. So three times heart attack. That wasn't a heart attack and two kidney infections. I've never experienced anything like a kidney infection. Like it would challenge childbirth. I just got to put it out there, but it was the stress. Like I didn't even realize I was sick until all of a sudden I was literally recording a podcast one day when I had the first one, got off the podcast. And all of a sudden I was freezing cold to the point that I was shaking at my desk. And I went into the bedroom where my husband's desk was and I climbed into bed and I bundled up with covers and he came over and he touched my head and he's like, you're burning up. It's like, oh my God, what? I'm freezing cold. How does that make any sense? But it was just the stress. And my team at that point said, you, like, they threatened to quit if I didn't go to the hospital. We all need people like that, like who will, the ones that we can confide in when we're emotionally stressed. If you don't have that person right now, dear listener, keep on looking. Invite it in, invite it in and say, I am willing to invite that person in now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Where can listeners connect with you, get to know more about you, purchase your book and all that great stuff? All that great stuff. Thank you. Well, as I said, I love connecting with people. So please find me and please send me a note and I will write and follow back. It's kateekman.tv. Ekman is E-C-K-M-A-N. You can also go to the fullspiritworkout.com. That links to my website and I'm Kate Ekman on social media. And please reach out and tell me that you listened to this episode so that we can have a big Kim love fest and just really, you know, and if you're looking for your person, I can't talk to you every day, obviously, but we can communicate online and I can support you there and you can just follow along and be in a community that is so energetically uplifting and will you you will feel at home and you will feel seen and heard and acknowledged. So please do find me and connect with me and we'll keep the conversation going. I'm even thinking about Ohio full spirit workout. Listeners, if you're in the Ohio area, Kentucky, Indiana, head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash PP 707. And maybe before Kate ventures off to wherever life takes her next, maybe we can do something in the Ohio area. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be so cool. I would absolutely love that. Great idea. There's that Barnes and Noble and Mason if it's still there. Ooh, or I'll even rent out a space. We could do a whole event and yeah, ask questions, have a good time, do our, our spiritual exercises and just connect. I think everyone is craving connection right now. That was just a crazy idea that came out of nowhere. So forgive me for just putting it out there. That I totally went with. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I love it. Kate, thank you so much for coming on today. I know this is just the first of many conversations and I can't wait to plan our somewhere in the middle 
of 75 date with you. Looking so forward to that. I am so excited. Yes. And just thank you for your friendship, your your show, having me on and just all the great work that you're doing in the world and to your community. Thank you for being here. This is where it starts. It starts with us getting it together and then sharing that and really uplifting each other. And this is how real change happens, but we got to be committed to showing up and just trying our best and being consistent about it. And you can really do what you want to do. You can do what you want to do. Listeners, head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash PP707 and let us know what you thought about today's episode, what your biggest aha moment was, pick up your copy of Kate's book. And as you're reading it, come back and leave more comments. But Kate, I would love to know what is a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you have for listeners today? I think I've said it already, but it just this just came through really strongly. So I'll say it again. You are powerful. You can do whatever you decide is important enough. Just keep going. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Trust, surrender, give up your worries, your stresses, your anxiety, your fears to a higher power, whatever you believe in, and just know that you are going to be great. You already are great and that you truly can live the life that you desire. You can have, be, and do whatever you decide is important enough. So let's go. The time is now. I'm here for you. Let's do this. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. 